Hello everyone, my name is Ryan and I'm the senior pastor at Church of the Atonement in Wheaton, Maryland. And believe it or not, it's actually Holy Week. I know that for many of us it doesn't really feel like Holy Week. Typically this week would be filled with some extra rehearsals and preparations for the very special services that we have during Holy Week, one of them being Maundy Thursday service. We also have Good Friday service and Easter. Typically, we look forward to these gatherings as they guide us to reflect upon the events that took place nearly 2,000 years ago in the last days of Jesus's earthly ministry. Um, but we do not get to gather as we typically would. So what we wanted to do is just to give an offering, um, uh, a way for us to encourage you and give you um, some guided reflection as you uh, observe these holy days from the safety and, and relative security of your own homes. And so uh, tonight what I'd like to do is just guide us through a reflection on Luke 22. And uh, I want to begin with a word of prayer. Father, we uh, thank you for your word and we thank you for how it guides us. And we ask for you to bless the reading of your word this evening. May you write its eternal truths on our hearts that we might be encouraged and prepared for our walk of faith in this season of life and seasons to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we see in our passage in Luke 22 that Jesus uh, is instituting a final meal with his disciples. And so I'm going to read from Luke 22, beginning in verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. They said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? He said, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. We see in this reading from Luke 22 that uh, Jesus had made special plans for where he would spend the final meal with his disciples. It's no coincidence that the final meal that he has with his disciples is actually during the time of Passover. Passover was a celebration that Israel uh, had. It was to remember the time when God's judgment passed over the households of Israel while they were in Egypt, and how God used that great judgment to deliver Israel 
out of their bonds of slavery. And so Israel was instructed to rehearse and remember the Passover every year. It was a time to remember how God had acted graciously on their behalf and to remember how it was through the Lamb's blood that God's judgment passed over them. That night in Egypt, many years ago, God had kept his promise to his people that every household that ate of the lamb and put blood on their doorposts, they would be spared. Their firstborn son would not be killed. But for any household in Egypt that did not follow those instructions, death would visit and would claim the life of the firstborn. And on this night, in the upper room, Many, many years later, little did his disciples know that this meal, this Passover that they were observing, was not going to be a mere rehearsal of an event that happened long ago. But like Passover, this meal would be a sign of a new work of deliverance, not accomplished by the sacrifice of lambs, but by the laying down of Christ's own life. And he tells them of that meaning. As the meal progresses, we see in Luke that Jesus took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And he instructs them to do this in remembrance of him, literally to just take it and eat it in remembering his life. And then the cup, which would have been used to conclude the meal near midnight. Jesus takes that cup and he explains that this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant sealed in his blood. Jesus' words are emphasizing to his disciples the new meaning that he is giving the elements of this meal. And just like the Passover, this new meal is both corporate and individual. This new covenant was for many, some of the Gospels say. And yet each one of God's people must receive it for themselves by faith. Jesus' body torn and blood shed on the cross the next day would be the event that frees God's people from their enslavement. Not an enslavement to Egypt or their enslavement to Rome at this time, but their enslavement to sin and the consequences of death. It would be Christ's blood that spares God's people from the judgment that God brings on the earth. Christ's blood, like the blood of the Lamb, will cause God's judgment to fall on the Lamb. And not the people. And that's how Jesus was reframing this Passover meal, an event where for nearly 1500 years Jews remembered God's gracious act of rescue and his passing over of their sins through the blood of the Lamb. Now that event would only be a shadow of a greater sacrifice and a grander rescue, one that had long been foretold. And typically on Monday Thursday, we would gather and this would be the good news that we would rehearse. That as we eat the bread and drink the cup in our worship, in the Lord's Supper, we would remember how in Christ God's people are spared from judgment, how they're freed from their bondage to sin, how they're called to be his people and led out of slavery into an abundant promised land, an eternity with him. But this year, unlike so many other years, we do not get to observe this meal on this very special night. We do not get to rehearse and remember through receiving the bread and the cup together. And I thought as I was reading through this passage in Luke that there's an aspect of Jesus's words that I think really resonate with this very strange time in which we find ourselves. For Jesus, as he offers the bread and the cup to his disciples, he says 
that he will not eat again of these things until the kingdom of God is fulfilled. And these are very strange words to us, and they really do not apply to us directly. This isn't an encouragement for us to endure a time of fasting, but they're helpful, I think, for us to reflect upon in this weird season. Jesus knew the suffering that he was uh, about to endure. He knew what was coming the next day. And so he told his disciples he would not eat or drink again until the kingdom was fulfilled. And there's a sadness in Jesus's words. And undoubtedly, that sadness struck his disciples. As John records, they were distraught by the way that Jesus spoke of leaving them. I mean, this night marked the end of the close proximity that the disciples would have with their Lord. He announced that he would be leaving. But there was also, amidst the sadness, a great hope that he wanted to assure them of, a great promise that he wanted them to understand. In John, we see that he explains his departures only for their good that he is going to prepare a place for them in his father's house, and that when he goes, he would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, who would help them remember all these things and would encourage them. And so in the midst of Jesus's words, as he's saying that he will not be with his disciples like he is now, that he will not eat of this meal as he is then, he is also explaining to them how they will have communion with him. That as they eat this bread and drink this cup, they will have spiritual fellowship with Christ. This is to be the new way that Jesus' disciples commune with him. And I think that's a little bit of what makes it so sad for us in this time is that we cannot do that. We cannot gather in his name and we cannot receive the bread and the cup and commune with Christ and one another in the way that he instructed them. Right now, I think, unlike Jesus, he was experiencing an intentional fast. He knew what he would be suffering and that he would not eat again until the kingdom of God was fulfilled. And right now, we are experiencing an unintentional fast from communion. Of course, the efficacy of Christ's death is not bound to our observing communion or partaking in the Lord's Supper. We're saved by faith in the promise, not the meal that guides our faith in the promise. But the privilege of gathering and sharing together in this corporate and individual remembrance is on an indefinite hold. And many of us are missing. Many of us, I think, are lamenting that we can't experience this special fellowship and, uh, with Christ and with one another in this way. It's an unintentional fast. It's not something we would wish. It's not something we are trying to do on purpose, but it's the situation we find ourselves in. And I think in, in one way, in God's sovereignty, this fast can be a very helpful reflection for us on Maundy Thursday. It cultivates, I think, a great desire for us to long to be together and long to have this opportunity to commune with one another and with Christ through the sacrament again. You know, oftentimes when I am instituting the Lord's Supper, I will give the encouragement for us to approach the table and to take of the bread and cup with three perspectives in mind. The first perspective is quite natural, and that is to look back and to remember uh, what Christ accomplished on the cross on our behalf nearly 2,000 years ago. To remember that even before time began, it was God's plan to save his people through the life and death of his son, Jesus. And at the same time that we look back, we should also be looking to the present 
and considering how Christ nourishes and strengthens us in our faith for our daily walk with him. How we need his righteousness to reign in our hearts. How we need his Holy Spirit to be remaking us in his likeness. And as we endure the sufferings of this present life, we should be longing for the future, that future banquet that we will have, the wedding feast of the Lamb, when we will no longer be touched by sin and sorrow and sadness and brokenness, where we will have full communion with God and his people. I think in many ways this unintentional fast, this uh, season that we find ourselves in where we can't gather, it actually helps us to focus on that third perspective helps us to be in a position of longing to be together, longing for it to not be this way anymore. I think the impact of this disease reminds us of the fragility and brokenness that is still so present in this world. I think the sting of this sickness is a reminder that we should not just long for life to return to normal, but we should be longing for the better life, the one promised and won for us in the life and death of Christ. The life which is ours now, but not fully. So while we would never wish it or plan it, in God's divine sovereignty, I think this unintentional fasting that we are enduring, this not eating and not drinking, actually positions our hearts to long for the day when we can be together again. I think it reminds us that the fellowship and communion that we experience in worship should not be taken lightly. And it also should position our hearts to long for the day when sin and death and sickness touch us no more, when tears and sorrows will have no say and no effect, they'll have no presence among us, a day when we will have full communion with God and his people and nothing can separate us from him. Right now, I think some of us are feeling the effects of the already and not yet. And my prayer for us is as we reflect this Monday, Thursday, of the meaning of that Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. That while we cannot rehearse and remember in the same way that we normally would, that the Holy Spirit would work through us and position our hearts and let us embrace this longing that we have. And that we would long not just to return to life as normal, not just to meet again and have communion and and worship at Church of the Atonement, but that we would also long for the day where there would be no more tears, no more pain, where the full salvation plan of God would come to fulfillment, where we can eat and drink again of the great feast meal with Christ at the banquet wedding feast of the Lamb.